Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning to those of you joining us on live stream. We're glad that you are here together. It's been a fun weekend here at Sam Alliance Church. Thank you to all of those that uh, decided to take your next step and attended some of our seminars that happened Friday, Saturday, some of them that are even going to happen today. Special thanks also to all of those that you have been volunteering with Feed Salem. We had just another Feed Salem uh, event yesterday. I got to stop in real quick, and it was just amazed to see how many people were serving the community in that tangible way. So thank you for doing that. I hope that you had a good week this week. I want to share a little bit about my week. See, on Monday, I got to drive my oldest to the airport. She's studying abroad this year. So Jess and I drove down to PDX. And on the way back, we actually, we were driving her car. We were driving her little Prius. She calls it Clifford. And uh, it's not my favorite car to drive. But anyway, we're driving back and, and we, we, the gaslight comes on. And we know we don't have enough to quite make it to Salem, so we pull over off I-5, we find just a, a place to stop. There's two gas stations, we pick the one that's traditionally a, a cheaper brand, and we pull in, and we're just trying to fill, get some gas, get, get home, and my wife is trying to figure out where the gas tank open thing is, and she's struggling, she pops the hood by accident, I jump out, close that. We finally get it, anyway, full service, because we're in Oregon, they put the gas in, she runs in to get a drink, I'm sitting in the seat, and I hear the click, like it's full. It's only a nine, 10 gallon tank, right? These things have little tanks and just with great pride. I'm so happy we didn't take my Jeep because we're just, we're environmentally conscious. And so I look over and I see, oh, $62. Why is it $62? Like it was less than 10 gallons. And so I get out of the car, walk over and I see right there above 87 that I just paid $6 and 87 cents a gallon for gas, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? That just starts to come up. Are you kidding me? Uh-oh. Here we go. Here we go. I'll come back to that later. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. We're in week three of our series, Gifts, Passions, and Story. And we're just looking at how we get to play a role in fulfilling Jesus' call, the commission to bring the fullness of who he is everywhere we go. That's his desire. And he chooses to use us, the church, you and me, to just fulfill that calling. And so we're, we're just in this self-discovery process and we're learning more about ourselves, our gifts, our passions. We're reflecting on our story. And over 700 of you have... T- Take, excuse me, taking the assessment that we put out online. And I'm so excited about that. And it is. It's a self-discovery process. But the really interesting thing, our, our culture loves self-discovery. Many of you, you see on Instagram, Facebook, BuzzFeed, whatever it is, you take these little tests to learn about yourself. And yet what's interesting about what we're doing is we're learning about ourselves simply for the service of others. And it's a beautiful and powerful thing because we believe in this truth that each of us, every single one of you has been created to play a unique role in bringing peace to our city. Each of us is a masterpiece that God wants to use to bring peace to this valley. And that's what we're talking about in this series. Each of us has a sphere of influence to bring his power, to bring his peace, to bring his presence to your home, to your school, to your third space, whatever coffee shop that might be, and to your workplace. 
We're basing so much of this on the passage in Ephesians 2, chapter 10, that we're encouraging you to memorize. We'll throw it up here on the screen, Ephesians 2, 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You all have it memorized, so let's see how you do. Let's put it up there. For we are God's, he has, in Christ Jesus so we can do the Wow. Wow. Like, I'm, I'm very impressed. I can't wait for next week. Very well. Those of you on live stream, good job. Thank you for engaging in that. We're, we're excited. One of our goals today is, as we just looked, uh, we looked at gifts last week, this week we overlay that with our passions. One of my prayers for you is that as you just see the way that God has created you, and as you identify these good works that have been prepared in advance, that he's asking you to carry out in partnership with him, that you will have some of those moments where you step back and say, I feel like I was made for this. I feel like I was made for this. That is part of our goal in this series. So see you engage in bringing the peace of Jesus wherever you go and for it to feel like I was made for this because you were. Well, as we look at our passions, one of our goals today is our passions show us who and what, who and what we have been created to fight for. Who and what we've been created to fight for. And so we got to pay attention to these. They're a major clue that help us discover those good works prepared in advance for us. Here at Salem Alliance, you'll see it says to fight for, and we don't shy away from the fact that there is a spiritual battle going on. We continually talk about seeing the heavenly realm invade earth. We've done series recently on the unseen realm, and we know scripture makes it really clear that there is, there's a battle that is going on. Ephesians 6 makes it pretty clear. It says this, finally be strong in the Lord. In his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then verse 12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so here's the deal. When you look around, when you drive around our city, when, when you drive throughout this valley and you see the brokenness, when you see the injustice, when you see the mental health issues, when you see the homelessness, when you see the disease and the sickness, when you see what is going on, understand that it's not just a, just a human issue. It is not simply human dysfunction. There's more behind it. There is an evil one who is looking to keep people in bondage. And part of our mission is to see those people get free, to pray for relational healing and physical healing to help people be released from the bondages of sin and addiction and to even proclaim hope of what will come when Jesus returns to those who are suffering. It's what we're called to do. And this is what Jesus did. This is what he did when he walked the earth. We see that in Luke 4. He, he takes the scroll of Isaiah and he reads and he talks about, and you can see his passions here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You see his passions there, but we also see that the time of the Lord's favor has come. We get to announce that. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and we get to now carry it out. We get to release the favor of God as we walk around our city, as we engage with people. It's part of our calling. 
And so today, the discovery process continues. Today, we're going to talk about our passions, our people passions, the who, our cause passions, the what. And then we're going to pivot and we're going to talk about our influencing passions. Just as the assessment laid out, I'm going to kind of follow that as our goal here today. But we're going to talk about how each of us has been uniquely made to lead and influence in similar styles, but there's a lot of diversity at the same time in the room. So let's dive in. If you've taken the assessment, you've already probably identified your people passions and your cause passions. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to take the assessment. But also today as we talk, there will be some discovery. I believe that some of these passions, you will resonate with them and something in you will rise up. So let's start with our people passions. What group of people do you find that you care intuitively about? To what people has God sent you? How do you know who your people are? Back to the gas station. This thing happens, right? I'm, I'm standing outside. I'm looking at 6.87 a gallon. It's starting to rise in me. By the time I get back in the car and we're back on the road, I'm expecting that some of what I'll just call anger would begin to dissipate. And yet it's not. It's still there. The passion continues to rise because this is what's going on in my head. I quickly did the math and I realized that I basically just got fleeced out of about $34. And here's the deal, $34 for me, not the end of the world. It's not a make or break it thing. That means that maybe we just skip going out to eat one time or something like that, not the end of the world. But my mind goes to, to my kids, to my kids. And what, what if they had been driving the Jeep and the light was on and they pulled up and all of a sudden it's a $180 bill. And they got scammed out of that much money. And for them, working the minimum wage job, that hurts. And then my mind goes and moves from my kids to other college students that their parents aren't quite able to help them out. And they're working these night minimum wage jobs to pay that tuition bill. And my mind goes to single moms that I know that are just trying to make it work. And they're working two jobs and they're making the minimum wage. And that would be a hit to them. And my mind goes to the, the immigrant worker who's trying to put food on the table and also send remittances back to their home country. And then they're making minimum wage. And ouch. That hurts those people. Instead of that passion dissipating, that passion rises up. And here's the thing. When that passion starts to rise up, it can help you identify who your people are, who you have that compassion for. And so we need to pay attention to these, these things when they start to rise up in us. A lot of you as well, you know that your people, your people are connected to your story. We'll look at that more next week, but there's an overlap. I mean, many of you, people, who are your people? People that are going through chemotherapy, people that are dealing with cancer because you're a cancer survivor, because you have this incredible empathy that knows what they're going through. And suddenly, they're your people. Some of you love to serve the homeless. And the reason you serve the homeless so well is because you went through a season where you were without shelter and without house. And therefore, there is this level of empathy. And there is this level of compassion and understanding that you have. Your story helps identify your people. There isn't always a direct correlation because sometimes God just gives us a people that he wants us to care for. I mean, for me, I had never been to the Middle East, yet God was downloading this passion, this care for, this love of the Middle Eastern culture that was part of a calling that I believe was a supernatural calling that sent me to the Middle East. 
Some of you care deeply about the refugee community that is calling Salem home, yet you yourself have never been a refugee. In fact, you struggle to identify and put yourself in their shoes and understand the experiences and the difficulties that actually got them to this country. Yet God has given you an incredible, just beautiful compassion and desire to serve that community. I have RTI students that have hearts for those that are are towards the end of their lives. They love to sit and hear stories. They love to protect and care for. With great compassion, serve our elderly. They haven't experienced it. They're in their 20s. But sometimes God just gives us these people passions. And so as we just begin to identify who God has put in our lives, which for many of you, I hope it's the street you live on. That's one way I identify my people. Whatever street God calls me to live on, those are also my people. And I believe there's an extra level of compassion and desire to be with those people that he puts in me. But as you move from discovery of who your people are to actually engaging with them to bring the presence of God and to bless them, here's a question I want you to think about. How can I increase proximity to my people? How can I increase proximity to my people? Eugene Peterson, paraphrasing John 1, 14, says this. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. It's incarnational living. It's proximity. It costs us. And so can I encourage you to move towards, to engage with the people that God has laid on your heart. Second thing, our cause passion, the what. What issue of injustice makes you want to run into the battle? If there's one area where you could make a difference, what would it be? On Friday night, we had our partner night as one of our Next Steps seminars, and we had about 20 people that are looking to become partners at Salem Alliance, and towards the end of that time, we always just open it up for a Q&A, and people can ask different questions, and one of the people there asked me my question. It, basically, they're asking, like, what is the, like, one big passion right now that, that you're experiencing that maybe you would go after if you had the time and the resources? And it was a great question. I was able to look at them and say, well, luckily, I just took this assessment called the Gifts Passion Story Assessment, so I can answer your question. And here's the thing. About two months ago when I took this assessment, I was surprised because those of you that have taken it, they give you this list of these different assessments, but you can also write one in. And for whatever reason, as I was just praying about it and and doing it, I wrote in payday loans, predatory lending. It drives me insane, but I don't know where it came from. It just, it came out and I wrote it there and it's a passion of mine. And ever since that time, the last two months, every time that I see people waiting in line to cash their checks on Friday afternoon, knowing that that company is going to take a bunch of their money or people that are struggling to get enough money. And, and so they're going and they're taking an advance on their paycheck that they're going to pay this ridiculous amount of interest. And that makes me burn inside. And there's a lot of you in this room that don't even understand it. That's not your cause, but that is my cause. And I'm asking the Lord, what are we going to do about this together? Some of you, your, your cause passion is directly tied to your people cause. And that's a good thing. Some of you have said, looking at that list made me feel kind of limited and narrowed, even though they give you the write-in list. But let me just throw up some of the things that our assessment tossed out there as potential causes. At-risk children, health and fitness, Blended families, homelessness, education, hunger, human rights, recovery, disaster relief, environment, neighborhood, 
race relations, prisons and families, healthy marriages, special needs families. You see, I know that many of you, when you see certain words on that screen, it pops for you. And many of you are engaging and you're going after that cause, passion, that group of people. I know that because many of you are serving, whether it be ministries here at Stam Alliance Church or partner organizations that we work with throughout our city, and you are dealing with these causes. And I want to say thank you. And for some of you, today is simply a call into that. So how do you kind of discover? If you're not sure what those cause passions are, how do you discover it? Well, back to the gas station. That thing's rising in me, and at first, let's just call it what it was. It was anger. But as I began to contemplate why I was so bothered by this, I'll call it righteous anger. Some of you think that maybe a pastor can't ever deal with with anger or that Jesus never got angry, and so you're part of that crew of Christians that make up special words like holy discontent. And so if you just want to call it holy discontent, I was experiencing holy discontent. I was angry. When that happens in me, when that starts to rise up in with, I pay attention to it. And I encourage you to do the same because sometimes that is spirit nudging you and saying, that's not right. That is not how I intended this world to function. Now, sure, in the case, my case, we're not talking about some major injustice that's systematic. We're talking about a gas station that's fleecing its customers because it's right off I-5 for a little extra money. That's how they choose to do business. But there are larger issues that get your heart, and that is God giving you his heart for his people. Another way that you might identify what your cause, passion is, is to look and see where you are generous with your time and with your finances. As many of you receive your tax documents back, you can see where you have given your charitable giving, and it will tell you where your passions lie. For me, it's the rising up. For my wife, Jess, it's where she spends her time and her finances. She's incredibly gracious with both of those for her cause and for her people. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us the good works created in advance, often the good works that, the God, that our God, creator God, is calling us to engage in are injustices that he brings our attention to. And so as you continue to discover your cause, passion, what steps might God be asking you for you to release your finances, for you to release your time, for you to release your intellect and your influence to engage in? The final passion that we're going to look at is our influencing passion, the how we interact, how we view and engage the world. Here's the deal. The person sitting in front of you and the person sitting behind you probably engage the world and view the world differently than you do. And there's a beauty in that. That's the diversity. And like there's diversity in our passions and there's diversity in our gifts, there's also diversity in our influencing passions. And so I want to just put up a list. We're going to talk about five different ways that you view, engage, and lead and respond to injustices. Here's some of them. I am one who. And here's how I want to help you identify which one of these is you. Case study. Let's just say that you were at a gas station and you realize you just got ripped out of a whole bunch of money. Are you kidding me? It begins to rise. How do you respond? How would you respond? 
to what happened. Here, those who send and extend the mobilizers, here's how you would respond. You would say, how do I get more people engaged in this to make this thing change? Maybe I need to write a letter to the Department of Justice or write a letter to the Chamber of Commerce in the city where this happened. And you begin to mobilize others to play a role because you're going to make something happen. Those who question and critique, if you're a question or critiquer, here's what you're going to do. How in the world is this allowed to happen? This is messed up. Why isn't the price on, on the big reader up here? And you're quickly going to realize and do some research and realize that Oregon's one of the only states where you actually don't have to post the price of gas up there on the reader. And you're going to say, that's messed up. What could be done about that? And if that's you, check that one. Some of you are those who invite and gather, right? And here's how you're going to handle this. You're going to get your seven closest friends. You're going to buy seven pieces of poster board, and you're going to write 687 with a big sign, and you're going to stand right <laughs> off of the property of the gas station, and you're going to hold it and proclaim to everyone, here's the truth of what's happening here. You're going to announce it to everybody. You're going to gather people and make that announcement. Some of you are the protectors, the providers. Here's how you're probably going to handle it. You're going to be like, oh, man, I can't believe that happened. That stinks. And as you're driving away, you're going to see that there's two cars pulling into that gas station, and you're going to be like, they're about to scam you. They're charging almost $7. And you're going to protect them in that way, and you're going to roll up your window, and you're going to go home. You did your job. Well done. Check. Some of you are the explainers or the organizers, and here's how you might handle this. You're going to blog about it. You're going to teach the world what is happening there. You're the ones that are going to go on to Yelp and Google review and go, one star, I got you, because everyone checks Yelp before they get gas, right? <laughs> and, but anyway, you still, you feel better about yourself because you let people know what's truly happening at this horrible place. Everybody pick one. Chances are there is one of these influencing styles that is more you. And that is a good thing, because that's how you've been crafted. And scripture talks about this, that the church is equipped with people with these different influencing styles. It talks about it in Ephesians 4. We'll throw it up here. It says this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility to is, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So we have these five things. We can go to the next slide. And here's what they are. We call them the apes, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And here's the deal. Each of you have one of those influencing styles. And when you're doing ministry together as the church, that's going to be your default style. That's what you bring to the table. And here's the thing. Even when you're at school and at work and at your third space, you're still operating in that influential style. That's still the way that you have been uniquely created to make a difference. That is the way you have been uniquely created to engage and view the world. And so some of you in this room that did contact the Department of Justice, you're, you're the apostle. You're the one that's going to mobilize others, that you're going to take more territory to take care of what is at hand. Those of you who are prophets, you're the ones that see the things that are wrong. You're able to point them out. We follow your lead because you tell us where we need to go and what needs to be done. The evangelist, yep, yeah, you're telling everybody. You're bringing others into it. You're engaging and inviting, and you're telling everybody the truth, and you're holding up that big sign. The shepherd, you know who you are. 
You protect people. You care for people. And it's a beautiful thing. And some of you are teachers. And we need you. You are the ones that are bringing your intellect and letting others know. You're informing others and helping them create a solid plan. Our passions, they help show us who and what we were made to fight for. And I hope as you are on that discovery that you receive the invitation of the Lord to engage because it's important. In fact, it's a matter of eternity. You see, Jesus takes it pretty serious that we engage as the church with the community that we find ourselves in. I know this because in Matthew 25, he has some pretty intense words as he talks about the future. He says this, He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Church family, as we look ahead, as we look at the good works that were prepared in advance, and as we discover that and engage and carry out those good works prepared in advance, it prepares us to receive something else that has been prepared in advance, eternity with the king, our inheritance, Living out our passions and our calling and our gifting is a matter of eternity. It's not an optional matter. Our desire is to be used by God. It's our desire. It's our desire for us individually and collectively as a church to be used by God, to see his peace, his presence, and his power manifest throughout our city and throughout this valley. The famous theologian and alliance pastor A.W. Tozer talks about being used by God, and he says this, I have only one hope in life, to be used of God. As the poor little donkey rebuked the madness of the prophet, and as the rooster's crow aroused an apostle and brought him to repentance, I pray that God may be willing to use such an unworthy instrument as I. We're all unworthy And yet we're all also qualified because as we seek his face, as we humbly seek his face in his plan, and as we engage our world, it happens. We're on the self-discovery process. And today I want you to feel affirmed in your passions, but that's just step one. What does that engagement look like? God is calling us. We are simply an extension of his gracious, compassionate, and pursuing nature. We extend who he is. And when we do that, it feels like we were made for this. Let's pray. Jesus, we just declare that you are a good father. You are a God who is pursuing his creation, that is looking to restore peace, that is bringing redemption, and we thank you for allowing us to be part of your great plan. Lord, you have prepared good works for each of us in advance, and I pray that you would give us the intuition, the discernment to see what those are as we learn more about ourselves and overlay our gifts with our passions and even our story. Invite us clearly to partner with you. 
Lord, prevent us from trying to take action where we don't seek your face first. Lord, we humbly only can do this in the power of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come upon us as we engage our city, as we engage the valley. We'll give you all the glory for this. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.